Hey guys, uh, welcome back to Development Hell. We are one of four podcasts created within the last year that chronicles the bumpy road that truly is the pass-fail industry we know as entertainment. Movies, music, movies, games, television, movies, theater, literature, and movies all have a story to tell. I'm Kyle Anderson, and I'm joined by Spike Kittrell and Richard Humphrey, and we go to hell so you don't have to. Boom, baby. Dude, I did it perfectly. I didn't even throw off my groove no <laughs> and i would hate to throw off your groove because then i would get yeah I'd, i would get jazzed out of the bel-air household i would have, i would have to yeah i'd have to throw you out of a window yeah. ah, ah, i'm sorry <laughs> that that dude has such uh such good comedic timing whoever they got to voice the old man oh fantastic low-key rips yeah. he's when he walks away and he's like groove it's fucking <laughs> incredible joke this is a sort of like for a cast of only movie stars pretty much and then and obviously ward burton who apologies ahead of time for to the listener for what's surely about to be two hours <laughs> of war burton um pretty like everyone's so committed in terms of like voice acting in this oh it, like it definitely just feels like um Eight crazy nights didn't capture what this did in being an adam sandler animated movie like where it sort of also has the same types of villains that are like uh, right like evil and stuff or it sort of did feel like animated tommy boy in a way it's weird that we've gotten one you know aside from the transylvania things we've gotten one animated sandler movie and it's like the most depressing movie ever made For real. <laughs> it's like and it's like it's this like sad meditation on loss and there but there's also like deers that shit like it's this isn't it kind of isn't it also r-rated uh i or like it's like a hard pg-13 sure but yeah it's like not a fun no one rewatches eight crazy nights i watch it every year it's a good holiday movie come on people man. people who people who on christmas eve just take the gun out of their mouth and put on fucking eight crazy nights <laughs> It, eight crazy nights has saved so many lives on christmas eve on christmas eve not no hanukkah relation the strictly people yeah. celebrating christmas <laughs> people people who who won't kill themselves around the holidays watch eight crazy nights people who will watch bad santa <laughs> yeah bad santa is the soundtrack the last 30 minutes have played to many a uh, empty studio apartment <laughs> Do you think there was like any any Jewish people that were like, "Fuck yeah, we finally got a holiday cartoon"? Well, oh man, it's that's what I'm saying is that he even that was like how he sold it was like, "I want to give you know I ne when I grew up I didn't have a a fun Hanukkah movie I'm gonna make that and it's about like dead parents and we're gonna be two hours into this episode we're gonna be so upset that we spent so long talking about eight crazy we nights. spent eight crazy minutes talking about eight crazy nights yeah. Uh, truly 
Um, well, today uh, we're kicking off. Um, yeah, let's get uh, into the groove. Dick, Dick, Dictator month. <laughs> yeah, King. King, uh, King I'm I'm Kyle Anderson. We've been told by our listeners that we should uh, introduce a little bit of who we are and what like what we do. <laughs> and look, <laughs> if you have a comment towards the show, comment it on the show, or else the single person you're commenting under will feel a little personally attacked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm Kyle Anderson. I'm a comedian. I am a uh, filmmaker, also a little bit. Uh, I'd say less so than a comedian, but uh, you know, I've 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 pointed a camera at things. Um, Richard, you wanna you wanna go next? Uh, uh, my name's Richard. Uh, I'm a comedian and uh, just sort of a commenter of things on Twitter and the like. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm Spike Kittrell. I'm sort of the I'm the inverse of Kyle. I'm, I'm a filmmaker and kind of lesser of a comedian um, in that I do stand up maybe once every two years and realize I hate it <laughs> and I'll never be as good as Kyle. So um, I don't know, man, like well, none of us will ever be as good as use rapping numbers. Come on. Man. <laughs> well, no, I, I, don't I think I Spike, I Spike is Spike is an OK comedian. Clayton Flats, the invisible comedian, a character Spike does is a nationally touring. I headliner. just found the phone with the Clayton Flats script. <laughs> And I was literally reading it like, I feel, I remember that Kyle no, remembers this name. <laughs> so this clearly <laughs> yeah, made an impression. Flats. So maybe we'll dig up Clayton Flats one day. Well, we're, we're starting off our, uh, our dictator month. We've been doing some themed months here on the show. Uh, we thought we'd cheer everything of... up with dictator month. <laughs> Yeah, it's not even really dictators. It's just uh, movies with that reference: kings, kingdoms, or like emperor, empires, or emperors. Like it's a very loose. You would think we were films. nineteen years into this show, thinking of such a fucking <laughs> thin ass theme. <laughs> it's about kings. I'm sure kings in the title, but not all of them. It's kind of about rulers. <laughs> Yeah, we did. We were... <laughs> it's just three episodes. They'll come out throughout the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, today we are talking about the uh, 2000 animated comedy, The Emperor's New Groove. Boom, baby. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, this was kind of Disney's first um, animated, like, pure comedy. Right, like uh, they hadn't tried to go like just funny with something. They always had like comedic characters or whatever. But at the end of the day, it wasn't a movie. Like Aladdin wasn't like played for laughs all the way through. Yeah, sure. sort of that like Hercules, you know, like is like the mid anamorph from the classic. Yeah, yeah. This, hey, uh, yeah, animated ones to this, you know. And and what's yeah. and what's interesting is the animators talked a lot about how sort of freeing and cool it was to be able to finally while working for disney do like looney tunes gags you sure. know like the characters will like hit a thing and spin and like get stuck around well, it and, like, and that little fucking squirrel just having a balloon <laughs> is pretty wonderful yeah, yeah. um I, it's pretty looney tunes the, the the great the great quote that they had was like we finally created a movie where you could have a trampoline salesman and that wasn't the weirdest thing in the movie. <laughs> oh, I loved that joke. That was fantastic. I wish you'd told me before I set it up. <laughs> it's just a quality. Yeah, uh, I yeah, in that moment around the squirrel I wrote Deadpool's new groove. Like there's this, there's a bit of like a cuz this is sort of the first I can the only to really do like the pause the movie 
All right, let's take a look back here. I'm in the bag. I'm the main character. All right, back at you. So are you saying that a 2000s Deadpool could have starred David Spade? Because I kind oh, of I agree. don't think there's another 2000 Deadpool like to be made. <laughs> I think you've got you know, and John Goodman, Colossus. I feel like this was just an abandoned cast. This cast moved from de- the a dead Deadpool. Yeah, we'll 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 get we'll get to it. But yeah. that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, but uh, it, it was originally Chris Farley, and then, and then there was yeah. John Goodman. The classic Fatty Arbuckle curse. <laughs> Um, um, so uh, Emperor's New Groove is a unique movie for a development hell because it this actually might be one of the most dramatic emotional stories we've covered. Like the making of this movie was a sad and brutal slog. <laughs> oh, what a already that's a bummer because i know we haven't talked too much but i didn't i don't love this movie like this is a perfectly fine fun it's like an easy two stars but like i have um i have movies i call daycare movies and this is definitely one of them where it's like you could just at any mm. given time it's like on at a daycare oh one thing to you guys too (laughs) the, the line the exchange where they are going over the waterfall and it's let me guess big waterfall bring it on all that stuff is that not the trailer line of our generation like we all remember the like that rhythm bring it yeah like there's like that 100 percent. there's no one of our generation that that's not burnt into gina and i kept watching the movie and there were so many just shots or like scenes that we just kept being like iconic yeah (laughs) like when they when they walk back to back up the thing we're like oh Mm. iconic (laughs) Kitty Isma, iconic. Our, our parents like, talk oh yeah, about Kitty Isma was be- the, the first time they saw the jump to light speed, and they just they just <laughs> couldn't believe their eyes. And that was us watching them back to back walk up, and then they got a mouthful of bats. They got scorpions in their buttholes. It, it, this was a mega moment for for <laughs> for the young millennials. I think uh, I think where this movie really uh, succeeds is its comedy. I think it like yeah. holds up and it's still pretty funny. I think Patrick Warburton, oh. I mean, we'll talk about him more. I have an incredible quote for you guys to read from him. It's amazing. But I think like the the comedy really lands for this movie and it still lands. And it's very, they said that they had to, because uh, Spade was improving a lot and that he kept trying to make jokes about like, George Bush, and they kept having to be like, no, 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 yeah, this no, has to be like timeless. Talk about Bush, you know, because it's Emperor Week, it's King Week, so might as well talk about Bush. Yeah, the American Empire of the Bush family. Um, however, to fully cover the Emperor's New Groove, we have to cover the story of three different films. Oh, thank God! The first of which being the Kingdom of the Sun, an epic scale retelling of the Incan creation myth all the way up to current day, which was to be directed by the Lion King's Roger Allers and was going to be an Owen Wilson vehicle with him playing a poor llama herder who switches places with an arrogant vain prince played by David Spade. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The soundtrack was to be done completely by Sting uh, with the incredible Eartha Kitt, who would be the voice of a villainous sorcerer, determined to blot out the sun and recapture her youth and beauty dang now that's an avengers level threat (laughs) 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 
Uh, after five years of hair pulling production meetings, brutal it's enough to wake sessions, up the Eternals. Uh, yeah, <laughs> grueling screenings and endless arguments over rewrites. Kingdom of the Sun was eventually reworked into Emperor's New Groove. Now a comedy directed by Mark Didall, starring Boy Diddy. selfish vain emperor. <laughs> he, he did he did all. Uh, starring Spade as a Let's selfish vain one. emperor who's magically transformed into a llama and must learn to rule from a common peasant man now played by John Goodman. Eartha Kitt was seen as a shining uh, piece of the original product and remained on as the villain, but now was given a comedic sidekick in the form of Patrick Warburton's Kronk, who the entire writer's room loved on site. Hey, we should talk about Bush in this scene. We should mention... <laughs> uh, we, we knew there were no WMDs over there. Uh, Yzma, you know what happened to that uh, bomb on Building 7? Squeaky accomplished. Squeaky squeakers accomplished. <laughs> Abu Ghraib. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's all coming together. <laughs> I think it'd be funny here if Cusco said, uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. I'm a llama. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, racing against an impossible deadline rumored to be imposed by an impending Happy Meal deal that was signed too early, the Mad Dash was captured by a documentary crew and then turned into our third movie, hold, The Sweat Box, on. directed by Sting's wife, Trudy Styler. All right, so there's 400 things in there we need to... It'll be a little bit of an unhappy <laughs> meal, you know what I mean. Okay, wait, so wait, they were like, we, this needs to go because of the Happy Meals? Yeah, we'll get we'll get to it more later. But basically, they had signed a Happy Meal deal, Spike and if you don't, right if you don't meet, if your movie doesn't come out in time for the Happy Meal deal because of the contracts, you owe them millions and millions of dollars. What all those? Yeah. Okay. Well, 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 so they. Where, what so else are they going to put with those four nuggets, Spike? <laughs> it eventually gets to the point where they only have like a year to finish the movie because of the fucking Happy Meals coming out. Like, so. will somebody get this kid a Happy Meal? <laughs> All right, you get brought me back. You know meal. how to bring me back. Uh, <laughs> Trudy, Trudy Styler uh, is Sting's wife who directs this uh, this documentary film, The Sweatbox, um, which is an a very honest and brutal depiction of the behind the scenes Disney animation sausage kind of getting made mm. and. Uh, it's so honest that Disney has blocked its official release. Right. Um, it's been leaked out onto the internet, but it's been taken down every time it gets posted on YouTube. Um, I found it on YouTube that it was, it, I didn't watch it cause I figured we're covered. You're going to, you covered it. You went into the sweat box for us. Um, but it's one of those pirated videos that's, that sneaks onto YouTube by being very small within something <laughs> else. If anybody's interested in watching it, uh, I found like a pretty good quality version on archive.com. Mm. Uh, if you Google like the Sweatbox documentary archive.com, you'll totally find it. Um, I watch it on there, but it does like from what I can tell, every version that's available online does have like the uh, like the time code covering like the lower thirds and stuff. So I couldn't like put what certain people's gotcha. know, jobs yeah. were and stuff because <clears throat> um, but uh, that being said, uh, riding high off the success of Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and most of all, Lion King, 
Disney's animation golden age was truly in full swing. So at this time, uh, Disney became obsessed we truly with were cultures. In a whole new world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's a they song. Were very, very into cultures being the backbones of a movie, right? So like Mulan, Pocahontas, Aladdin. Yeah. They were Are really these like characters there's a lot to white mine there. No, they're Incan. <laughs> Oh, all right. They're Incans. <laughs> Hardcore. <laughs> uh, they're Incans. Uh, we, we, this is actually our uh, our first quote um, here, which I will. Uh, and is David Spade uh, Incan? <laughs> yeah, he's he's half. Yeah, because um, I remember someone writing. I remember uh, Grown Ups Two showed in the Incan Film Festival that year. <laughs> Incan Heritage Film so, Festival. So. Um, basically Disney wanted something with South from South American culture. So this first uh, quote is from Roger Allers, who was the original director of the movie. He also directed uh, lion King. Um, and he's, he's kind of a legend. He, he really is awesome. Uh, and he seems like an awesome dude to work with. Um, it's sad what happens to him at this story. <laughs> wow. Do they like put a gun in his mouth? Pretty much. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, so whoever wants yeah, to read that you. first quote. Yeah. I, uh, I had finished Lion King and was looking around to see what they're doing next. Disney was starting to push the things in other cultures. Tom Schumacher, he's the executive vice president for Walt Disney Feature Animation. He called me in and he had three pictures on the wall. Representations of Inca, Aztec, and Mayan cultures. For the Incan culture, there was a picture of these amazing stone buildings in Machu Picchu. The city atop a mountain in the clouds, I said, I'd love to try to develop something about the Incas. I started looking for an idea. And the documentary sort of has the footage that, like, you always hear about where they go to, like, a culture and, like, walk around, like, the shops area yeah they pay for know? like a, one like and they picked a random brochure for like a tour of one major city <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah. And they're just <laughs> like they're just like wow they were such great designers like they keep doing like like saying shit it's amazing that, that these it's movies very... don't come back and they're just about really nice four seasons hotels and like <laughs> conference rooms <laughs> So this is uh, this is uh, Roger Allers uh, continuing, kind of talking about uh, pulling in the cast and, and who they wanted. Hey, Michael Eisner wanted me to interview Barbara Streisand to play Yzma. I went and met with her in London, but I was so happy to cast Eartha Kitt in the role. With these older divas, you can be a little afraid of getting in the room. With Eartha at our first meeting, I'd just come back from a research trip to Peru, and I brought her back a bunch of Peruvian textiles, these wonderful geometric patterns, as a gift, and she immediately opened up. Owen Wilson was the lead. The llama heard her pacha. I think he had just done bottle rockets, so no one really knew him, but he had this kind of slow, drawly way of speaking, which felt like an equivalent of someone from out in the sticks. <laughs> and of course, we were familiar with David Spade from Saturday Night Live. They were a fun contrast. <laughs> I don't know what so I've chosen, <laughs> but I, yeah, I kind of stuck I with love it. it. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I think I think it's going to really break up the episode nicely, <laughs> um, and I can't wait for some of his later quotes to be read in this. But it's interesting that out of the whole cast, Owen Wilson was kind of like the unknown, you know, who it's like. And Disney clearly was like still very, very into him and eventually got him to be Lightning McQueen. But like 
they they were trying to find something for him early. It's crazy. Yeah, They've know? been like courting him to become Mobius for well, a very long time. Yeah, that's the thing. Time. They still have <laughs> yeah. him. They like they still clearly yeah. value him. Yeah. Yeah, they love them some Owen. I love that in Loki, he never said an oh wow, but he did say a what, how? Yeah. <laughs> Leaving a video, a, a, a very easy video edit away from Mobius saying yeah. wow. <laughs> what, how? They're saving his wow for when he's on a speedboat or on a jet ski. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be on wow, the jet wow, ski. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> <laughs> they know the meme the meme value of having owen wilson finally on that fucking jet oh ski. yeah oh yeah like they know it feels like it's, memes. Uh, it feels like it's who they've always wanted to be colson in the first place and right. now they're like now yeah colson has fetishizing a jet ski energy so like might as well give it to owen wilson uh here we go um richard why don't you go ahead and read this david spade uh quote <laughs> It was me and Owen Wilson. We were going to switch jobs. I was an emperor and he was a peasant and uh, Carla Gugino was a princess. Uh, the first oh. time I did my, my – that's my princess. That's true. Well, let, let's all just take our hats off for Carla yeah. Gugino. <laughs> my princess. A principessa. She was 24 when she was the mom in Spy Kids. David Spade did not say that. We're going back. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Gugino was the princess. She was 24 at Spy Kids. <laughs> all right um carly Gugino was a princess uh the first time i did my voice i was naively saying what do you want this kind of guy a deep voice an emperor like ooh, a highfalutin guy and they said no just do your nasally normal uh, annoying sarcastic voice yeah i mean you don't hire him it's it's like when bradley cooper actually does a voice in guardians of the galaxy it's like <laughs> but if you're spade we're not hiring you to do a voice. Imagine yeah. not hiring David Spade to be like, with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Right, exactly. <laughs> Spade's, Spade's kind of great in this, too. Yeah. He, oh, he for sure. Really, he really rips. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he knows what he's uh, doing. They were just, it. I mean, in so many words, they could have just said, hey, no, can you just do David Spade? Yeah, well, it's it's similar to like, I was thinking at one point in this, like, War, has War, Warburton ever... Because he's consciously doing deeper, he's doing dumber, but like he's never done a voice. He's never done another thing. We're, well, actually, we will talk a little bit about uh, Warburton's like um, he. There's a quote in here about like his process. Okay, like, sure. Because he's he also voice. seems like a guy. I, I think Warburton might be like secretly very dedicated to all of like. I think that there's an intellectualization to every one of these things, even though we all think they sound the exact same. Well, yes. and it's like, the, and, and, and yeah, we're, we're, we're going to, well, it's like, there is uh, a difference in like Joe versus this, uh, versus Kronk, you know, like there sure, is, sure. um, when Allers originally pitched the first story to Michael Eisner, Michael Eisner said, this has all the beats of a classic, <laughs> what a monster. <laughs> and when he pitched it to sting, he pitched it with a very simple log line of it's a common man teaching an arrogant man how to rule. Hmm. And Sting was like, that sounds like, interesting. That sounds like my first three albums. <laughs> but I feel and like... At, at this point, Sting is brought on, and uh, his solo career was really hot at the time, and Elton John's Lion King songs were a huge hit. Mm. So it was a super logical decision, and Sting really thought he could do 
what Elton had done with Lion Elton King. was Andrew Lloyd Webbering Sting's Bono. <laughs> because I was going to say, right, this is bit, the kind yeah. of... W- Eisner knows this is how you get these rock star psychos with like lofty, like it's about how pain is really life. That sounds interesting. <laughs> like you just get them right. with something like really vague. Yeah. So they think like, I was just thinking about that. Well, they've already well, made then, enough money in the world that you don't have to be like a, hey, like the residuals are going to make you this much money. Sure. You know? It's like you have to appeal to like, they're, they're boredom weird yeah because and he had been he had been in the police for so long that now he was finally solo so he could like take on all these kinds of solo projects and stuff so he was kind of excited to like maybe i do this for a little bit sure. you know like and and him in the documentary uh well because that's the other part that they offer him is they offer trudy who his wife who's like a documentary filmmaker to, like all access at Disney Animation Studios to shoot this documentary. Like, they're literally in meetings where Trudy was like, I can't believe we were filming this guy, like, getting fired. <laughs> like, I can't believe we were allowed to be Jesus. in these Disney, uh, Disney was really open in these times. Like, uh, well, yeah, and they have, they have like, since said huge mistake. Yeah, like... <laughs> right. Because <laughs> now it's so strange um, how they, like, you know, these Marvel shows are getting these behind-the-scenes specials now. And, and the Mandalorian as well, that like it all is so crazy produced now that the only thing I can think of recently was um, the director in the Jedi, the docu- the last Jedi documentary that was like specifically about Ryan Johnson and Mark Hamill's sort of internal battle over that movie. And it's like, this is at least interesting in showing some sort of conflict making a, a Disney movie. Hmm. So, so, uh, this producer, Randy Fulmer, he is low key, the MVP of this production. Yeah. He's just this little like, yep. So we're making the movie. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I the, know that the guy. toy line, the toy line told us we have a year. So, uh, we just gotta make a plan and stick to it here. The kind of guy who <laughs> in these docs is not, he can't go to the interview studio. They have to catch him between phone calls. He's literally, yeah, he's, yeah. His, his talking heads are at home. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> he's very busy. Um, and he's kind of like the one who always has to, like, break the bad news to everyone. Like, he has to, like, tell Owen Wilson he's fired. He has to, like, tell Sting, like, we're doing more songs. Like, yeah. he's like. And at this the, point, the movie the is called The Emperor's New Groove, or it's. St- no, it's called Empire it's in the still, Sun. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, Kingdom it, of the Sun. And at some point, it at Sun's point, or yeah, yeah, sorry, Kingdom of the Sun, at some point gets changed to the Kingdom in the Sun. Um, yes. <laughs> that's a big distinction. Uh, so here's a quote from Randy Fulmer. Uh, why don't you go ahead and read this one, uh, Richard? Uh, I think Tom Schumacher wanted to keep Sting in the boat. He uh, was afraid Sting had an unrealistic idea of how bumpy the ride would be. Uh, that Sting would get exacerbated uh, with the process and walk away. So he thought... Uh, Trudy's doing a documentary. It's another way to lock them into the process. Sure. Which, which also, uh, we're going to talk a lot more about Tom Shoemaker soon. Tom Shoemaker is a monster, and I don't feel bad saying this because his Wikipedia page said there's some Me Too allegations. And so this is, so, this is the executive vice president for Disney Animation. Yeah. Okay. And he is a, he is a, it's really weird. Both the executive, like vice presidents of Disney animation at this time are theater guys who like came from theater because there was this weird shit in Disney corporate where 
Disney theatrical division and Disney animation got put together under like Disney new media Hmm. conglomerate or something. Mm -hmm. And so it basically ended up where these two guys who had like run ballet companies were now at like the heads of 2000s animation. Is that because of like the uh, like Julie Taymor Lion King? It's not even it, weirdly enough they they like didn't think there was going to be muddy in like a musical version of the Lion King but it, it's literally just this weird like corporate uh, like the way that they like segmented the corporation oh. basically meant that these guys even though they were only passionate about running theaters were like put in charge of animation and then have to give these bullshit things of like well really putting together an animated movie is a lot like rehearsing a play you rehearse it over and over and over and over again, and then you stage it. And that's what it's like when you finally release the movie. And it's like, I don't think it's that similar, actually, man. <laughs> that sounds like something else. But I bet you no yeah. one's allowed to say no to you. Right. And they are They are uh, the one guy, Peter, less so than Tom. Tom is a horror. Hell yeah. Okay, like Thomas Shoemaker, as we say where I come from, that boy a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, at this point in the production, uh, Sting comes on board. And like I said, Sting, Sting rules. Sting rules so hard at the beginning of this. He's so fucking into it. He's like... Uh, he's basically like, I'm so passionate and excited about making fun songs. I can make sad songs. I can make exciting songs. I can make scary songs. Like I can make songs about, about all these different things. And it's not about my life. He's like, I just spent three hours making a song. That's about llamas. It's like about, and he gets like so happy. (laughs) It's like when Prince did a Batman album and it's like, all this is about Batman. Yeah, it's about Batman. It's so fun. Like, he's just, like, getting to have fun doing, like, oh, we do, like, a little quirky. Like, early in the production, there was a uh, a character who was, like, a little Incan rock guy. Mm-hmm. And he was supposed to be, like, 10,000 years old. And he's been, like, a, you know, he's given, like, advice to every emperor or whatever. Um, and he's, like, this little magic rock. And so uh, Sting created this whole song about like called why can't a human be more like a rock hell yeah and it's just like a really cute oh, like yeah. fun and you can tell how much fun like sting is having when he's singing it's a good it. question um and right and he's also working with i would have uh, made that David. character lorne michaels mm. <laughs> right uh he's working with david hartley who's just like a musician that he really likes and the way these two like vibe and riff yeah, and like give that. each other shit they're just he you know uh he'll just be like single be like why don't you play it hey you played it before when you played it correctly and he's like oh like when you sang it correctly on the right melody yeah yeah or when you <laughs> fucked it up two times ago <laughs> like the way they just give each other shit they're like the best they're just the best together like you could tell they're just like hey like you could tell sting called him and was like hey you want to get paid like a million dollars by disney yeah. to hang out for six months in a cat they literally rented like a castle in italy yeah to like hang out in and make that like it's so fucking cool um yeah and just all the footage of them working together especially like in this first kingdom of the sun version of the movie is like so pure and fun to watch uh and they're 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 really really cool here's a quote uh from the screenwriter uh, David Reynolds, if you could go ahead and read that for a spike. I'd been one of the original writers on Late Night with Conan O'Brien. I started that show up in 1993 
and was there until 1995, then came back to L.A. I hadn't slept in two years. I started rewriting on Tarzan. Then I worked on A Bug's Life. I started stacking up jobs, couple weeks on Dinosaur, changes to Atlantis and Toy Story 2, like an old studio writer. In the middle of that, they said, come on over to Kingdom of the Sun. I saw the whole story. The Prince and the Papa. Then everything goes to darkness, and you've got to rope the sun. It wasn't very funny. They asked me to rework dialogue and that kind of stuff. So that gives you a little bit of What if it's about George Bush? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, hey, pay this guy whatever whatever his quote is. But yeah, so this early version of the movie was a very, like, very much a Prince and the Papa story. Um... And it also had all this like mysticism. Uh, Tags are going crazy on the side of the bowl. Um, it had all this mysticism with the sun, and like the sun was being quenched out, and like there was a god that like created in the Incan creation myth that like put a lasso around the sun and roped it in. So they have to like the third act, they have to like rope the sun in, and like it was this very epic scale movie. Um. It's awesome, though. Yeah, the problem, it sounds fucking the problem cool. Was, it, it, sounds, was, yeah. it sounds a lot cooler than the movie I watched today. So so now you're kind of getting to the point of... Uh, so you guys are are uh, are what I would call Team Sting. Um, Team Sting. I'm a, I'm a Sting when the Sting, movie yeah. When the movie Always gets shown... Movie. That's when the, the movie gets shown... It gets, it gets ripped to absolute shreds. That's a police Sting is that the, I would fund. Sting is... <laughs> Stig's the only person in the room that has the balls to be like, I, I, I rather like it. <laughs> <laughs> because this is this ain't even his whole day. This ain't even what well, he does. Right. And everyone else, like Tom Shoemaker, is like, it's just not working. No. He's like, I, I mean, I, f- I thought it was right. Because Sting's here on the weekends, bro. <laughs> Sting doesn't got shit to do on this. <laughs> Sting pops in. He lives the he's, he lives his life like a cameo. He's just like, oh, what is this? This isn't what Sting does. Like a cameo. He's like, you asked me to do this real quick, and I'm doing it real quick. I think it's cool. Fuck off. This I got no stakes in this. That's my thing. Is he's like, hey, it's cool. I'd, I he's like, I'd pay ten dollars at the yeah, exactly, exactly. Sting's he's just like, like he's like, I'd I'd think the music gets to the premiere. <laughs> Uh, Richard, I've got another quote. Uh, for what did Randy Fulmer say? Fulmer? With the uh, Kingdom of the Sun, it seemed so promising at first. There were so many elements, all of which were fun and good. Yzma was terrific. Sting was doing fantastic music. But I think Roger had tried uh, had to hang on to too many elements. Uh, I met a very nice woman on a plane once coming back from New York where we uh, recorded Sting. She was like, oh, you work at Disney? What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, my. So uh, what's the movie about? I feel like I talked until we got to Los Angeles trying to explain it all, and I realized, okay, this is not good. There's too much here. <laughs> I, I, it's interesting that the cast of The Sopranos made this between <laughs> all the voices we've done. <laughs> A gobble go. <laughs> okay, this is um, not good, but where's the Vig? Huh? <laughs> Uh, all right, so um, I want I want Richard to read Peter Schneider because uh, I, I definitely want Spike to read Thomas Shoemaker. Now, who is who is um, Peter so, Schneider? 
so Peter Schneider and Thomas Shoemaker are the the like the two heads of Walt Disney Animation like features at this time. Peter Schneider is the president of Walt Disney Feature Animation. Um, so hmm. not only is there all of this like these issues happening on the movie with you know trying to figure out all these script elements, there's also like big. Uh, high high level executive drama bubbling behind the surface um so richard go ahead and, and read this so uh, in the 90s before jeffrey katzenberg left town and started dreamworks disney had a hundred or so of the best artists in the world and other studios had one and when you have all the top artists in the world you can probably do no wrong but as pixar grew as Blue Sky grew as DreamWorks grew as the business became competitive financially. Other people recruited 15, 10, 20 of our top people. We were fighting a war of survival. If you, if you really want to put a finger on it, Jeffrey was as maniacal as Trump was. I'm going to destroy Michael Eisner. This is what was happening in this period. It's like if... if and It's like if there was a movie... A, it's like if there was a mobster in a bug's life, it would be that. Place. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going for, yeah, baby. Like, Thank you. It's like how when you watch Zootopia and there's this random mob stuff, it's that hey, place. Hey, you come to me on the day of my pupa's wedding. Oh, I mean, <laughs> but but this but this quote is crazy. Yeah, being like, well, we used to have all the good artists, yeah, and then some people got some of the good artists. So what? Are, I mean, what are we supposed to do? Just fuck off forever? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you know yeah. Fuck yeah. me! I gotta uh, I gotta go fucking do this because he wants to go over here and make Shrek. Oh, we only have eighty percent of the best artists in the industry. We're fucked. I mean, hey, they're making heartbreaking in that way, right? Yeah. Where it's like they just have all the talent and none of the money for them. Right. Or, or or if nothing else, you know, Disney maybe was suffering from that thing before Pixar was even though Pixar had been through a few things. This is the same year as Toy Story 2. Um, it's this interesting thing where maybe Disney is losing its Disney was definitely in a not great period through the 90s. Um, even just despite a slight 2D renaissance and the, the early 3D stuff. But like you can see how a young guy just gets out of college sees all these other upstarts kind of doing okay. Spielberg's behind one. George Lucas is behind one, you know, and you just are like, I gotta try to bank on the future. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I mean, uh, and, and also you have to think about who you're going to work for, mm. you know, like these guys, that's what I mean. These, these dudes, Thomas shoemaker and stuff like he, he kind of had a rep for being like, a, a brutal little tight right and at the time going to pixar was probably like i technically answer to steve jobs and george lucas and at the time a well-regarded john lasseter you know like um it's interesting and, and dreamworks just the same where like it seemed like the top guys at dreamworks were pretty pretty awesome so now we get to talk about thomas shoemaker hell yeah uh, he's He's this little, hard-nosed, intense, tiny guy. Uh, the first thing he says in this documentary is, I was raised in a house like the Von Trapp family. Oh. Which I think tells you a lot about Where him. Where did you stay? 
<laughs> every, every night before bed, he just like scoots up the stairs like, the sun has gone to bed and so shall I. And now he's a llama. <laughs> um... All right, so one of one of the most haunting scenes of the entire uh, documentary is they're they're outside of the screening room and they're waiting to do the first screening of uh, Kingdom of the Sun, right? So this is the entire movie with storyboards, yeah, uh, and like temp voiceover, and it's very very rough, but it gives everybody an idea, you know, of what the movie is going to be like. I'd pay money to see. Um, that. Hell yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. And it is it is the 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 vibe outside this screening room is tense. Mm. Like it is tense. Now why is that? And, is and, it just that they know they know it's not working? No, it's it's because everyone who's been working on it has been working on it for like two and a half years, mm-hmm. and now all the big bosses are about to really see it for the first time and see what everyone's been spending all the money on. And it's just one of those things of like, man, I sure hope everything goes really well. You and know, it's because it's really... like we're done or we're starting over time. Yeah, either like we're locking in and we're getting to do like the fun stuff of like really animating and really going into the gotcha. you know, the meat of everything or it's back to square. Yeah. One. Um, and so it's it's a tense vibe outside uh, while everybody's waiting for like the last executives to get there. Um, everyone's just kind of milling around in this little like movie theater lobby that they have on campus. Um, and Sting is sort of standing there and the camera sort of naturally falls onto uh, Thomas, who says, uh, this. I do this every day. At least every week. Every week, it's someone's turn to pull their pants down in front of everyone. One director, <laughs> Rob Minkoff, who worked with Roger on Lion King, described screening the movie like this. It's like having someone chop your hands off and pull your pants down in front of a crowd, and you stand there with stumps bleeding, incapable of pulling your pants back up. That was the experience of screening one of these movies. And then this is what his I face looks like after saying that. <laughs> He's like having the biggest like, dumb smile. And think about it. They said that after watching The right. Lion King. That it's like having your hands chopped off and humiliated. And you Imagine the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into making a movie people put on so their kid shuts up. Uh, well, just imagine <laughs> that this kid is responsible for your child being happy for 90 minutes. Yeah, and this dude, this, yeah, this dude dude's lame sucks. as hell. Um, that guy looks so, like he's wearing one so, of those like rubber people masks. Yeah, Thomas Schum- Tom Schumacher <laughs> looks like he's wearing a Tom Schumacher mask. <laughs> he looks like a little. Uh, he's like a, a a puppet that you do like. He looks like an Amir with, Blumenfeld like a variant. <laughs> <laughs> Deep cut for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it's very deep. I feel like I want to beat um, his ass. Like, so why do I look the, at him and just want to fight? <laughs> I want to prank fight. war this little bitch. So, right? Like, you're gonna want to prank war yeah, this bitch. I just want to. You're gonna want to go Ace and Jocelyn <laughs> on his ass. Um. So. <laughs> so. Uh, 
this Ned is Flanders to say the motherfucker the screening the screening it's like a dented Ned, Ned Flanders stupid, <laughs> it's a stupid sexy Schumacher <laughs> uh so it it goes badly uh, the screening goes badly. The, the entire crew are immediately called back up to the story room directly after the they get their hands ends. cut off. Um, <laughs> it's fucking like. brutal. Uh, Sh- uh, Schumacher says so much of the movie isn't working for me. I don't know who I'm supposed to care about what I want, what it is. I'm watching. The pace is really wacky and I'm not having any fun. <laughs> Peter is a bit more positive with the mentality uh, that said. saying, you know, this kind of failure is all part of the creative process. These are the two kinds of theater kids. Um, yeah. And then and then uh, Thomas has another banger of a Thomas pro- quote that the, he says uh, in a talking process head. process can be such agony because you want to get to the truth. You want to talk about it. But at the same time, you have to be careful about what you say so everyone wasn't, doesn't want to kill themselves. <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's a, it's a tightrope here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh basically they they announce that it's going to have to be uh, there's nothing that's working they're, they 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 decide that the only things that are working are Yzma yeah, Eartha Kit always works no and, matter what yeah, that Eartha Kitt's crushing it, and that David Same Spade is with good. David Spade somehow. And I came back from the screening, and they said, I have to carry uh, uh, Madame Zeroni up the mountain. <laughs> they said, you and your family will be cursed for always an eternity. Uh, so, let's see here. We got, we got some more quotes. Uh, I'll start off with the first one, Williams. Uh I do remember after one of the screenings, either Tom or Peter said, Roger, if it wasn't you, I'd be pressing a button this? right now. Either. T- so that was Williams, who was one of the writers sure. on the film, um, said that about Tom and Peter. So basically, Roger had s- Roger Allers had such a great yeah. rep at the company of being like a company man. He puts his nose to the grindstone. He's easy to work with. He's a gentleman. You sure. know what I mean? Like he he's made the line easy guy to work with. So they were like. Yeah, and he made them so much money with the Lion King, so they were basically being like, dude, if this wasn't you, right. you'd be canned. For how bad right. this is, essentially, to them. Um, uh, Spike, you want to read Who is Anderson? Anderson? He is one of the producers on the film. I, I remember people saying that there's too many elements in the movie. It was Prince and the Popper. It was also the transformation of somebody into a llama. It was Yzma who wants to raise the dead, snuff out the light, and have a world of darkness. But she also wants eternal youth and beauty. So it's like, okay, but which one does she want? And then, uh, yeah, so that's kind of just speaking point. to how, like... The film, the film had a lot of cool yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think as a whole, it was too busy and it wasn't focusing on anything. And sort of like, I think what Disney movies always do really well is pare down the story to where it's so easy to follow and meshes and feels like it could not be any other way. Not yeah, not a lot of B stories um, in a lot of those Disney movies, you know. Like now, now, Richard, I think this is an interesting thing for for uh, interesting quote for you to read maybe you can talk about more um sort of about 
how these movies, especially in this time, use culture and stuff. There's a quote from Roger Allers. I just feel like we're losing any sense of the culture. I know that's not on everyone's mind at the studio. Um, let's do films to honor cultures. The bottom line is let's do entertaining films that everybody's going to want to see with their kids. I get that, but hopefully one does both. Because it is interesting that like they miss the mark culturally on every culture they sort of do in the 90s at these kids movies, mm-hmm. you know? Like uh, Pocahontas itself, like the whole line Blue Corn Moon was just made up. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like it's like, well, they, like they, they just, just you know, uh, they take uh, it's like we said, they do like a, a tour of a city <laughs> in a major area and go, I, I got this. And then they go right. back and then they hire white people and yeah, they, uh, exactly. <laughs> to draw white people. They asked Sting to just like do this like homage to like south american culture and like love and history Mm -hmm. you know it's like well and i and i think it's i think like he seems to be the only one who cares about like oh no 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 but these need to look like this because that's what they really looked like and everyone else is like yeah but it'd be better yeah because it's like at the same time they're like we like these cultures but we we want but the white kids have this money that we like, you know, is what they're thinking. Right, that's right. the thing about Happy Meals, you know, that's uh, mm-hmm. that, that's yeah. all it is. It's like, how many Happy Meals can we sell off a Sting single? But that's the thing about a Happy Meal is that it's like it's the most impermanent toy ever, which is like how they're looking at this movie of like this movie is going to last 78 minutes in their mind. But it's also like, you know, we're not anticipating they're going to talk about this in the car. Well, that's what Roger Allers was right. hoping to do with this, like epic yeah, scale, like make a story start a conversation like, and know, make a major piece of yeah, work. Start a conversation. Yeah. Um, so this is Han. This is another one of the uh, executives at uh, at Disney Animation. It was Bake Off, plain and simple. Katzenberg, <laughs> rightly or wrongly, would say, "Okay, we're doing Pocahontas. It's Dances with Wolves meets Romeo and Juliet. We're doing that." The bake-off was more about indecision in the ranks. There was a lack of executive leadership that could just say, we're doing this, and then we're doing it. We had bake-offs from 99 all the way through to 2005. It, that started as not that voice, and then it landed there anyways. <laughs> but I love I love this idea of, like, even in office. They're yeah, I know that they're like, this is, this is like, gross. <laughs> like, they think it's gross. Yeah, that's like a... Yeah. I mean... What what do you think they were calling this one? Like Tommy Boy meets like Prince and the Popper? Yeah, yeah. It's exactly well. That's yeah, exactly what it is. And you think if Chris Farley was alive, he would have been the John Goodman role, though? That's what I was thinking the whole movie. Sure. So 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 probably not, but only because of how they came okay. up with the John Goodman role. But I think he could have possibly was it literally just I, I was watching Roseanne and I thought this guy's they, popping. No, no. Then they were like, well, who would you want as your as your dad if you could have anyone be your dad? And everybody looked around the room and they were like, John Goodman. Right. He's who you want to be your dad. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, I get that though. Like John Goodman's good. It's weird to have lost. They didn't. They didn't fire Owen Wilson in August of two thousand seven, did they? Mm, I don't believe so. Okay. I believe it was much earlier than that. Something else was bumming him out. <laughs> what did he do? Yeah, he tried to kill himself. <laughs> 
Oh, this probably didn't help. <laughs> so, something else Ka-chow. probably happened. <laughs> so, a kachow snapped within him. Uh, so at this point in the production... You want a kachow uh, side to side, not up and down. Up and down is just going to get you attention. <laughs> so Sting feels super bad for Roger Allers. Um and Sting, it, because he's being interviewed by his wife, he's like so comfortable on camera. Right, yeah, <laughs> he I'm just sure oozes awesome. like charisma and sex. The interviews are uh, just in bed in the sheets, lit like kind of literally sometimes Amazing. though. Like it's like him smoking on like the balcony of his like hotel or something. You know That's what I mean? That's great. Um, and he's like, Put, "Turn on the fucking camera. I got shit to say." <laughs> he's like vlogging. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They like go to the Himalayas at one point, like just on vacation and he's just talking about it while they're like hanging out near monkeys that's amazing um but he says that he sees thomas as he's like you know they have this this man with the with the glasses sit there and just be sort of an an entertaining deconstructionist and you know uh, tear apart you know something this man's been working on for years it's just terrible <laughs> terrible thing to watch so he, he, like his his vo- his like view on Thomas is that like Thomas shouldn't even really be an executive. He's only an executive because he's really entertaining to listen to talk shit about something. Well, yeah. it's also Sting has never heard people uh, like get told no, let alone right. been get, told and, no and himself. Like, but he's like, I walk in and this guy's just telling people no right that's the thing is like he's so far removed from working for his lunch like he's so it has been so long since he's like in fact he says he says at one point he's like i might get fired from the movie never been fired from anything before he looks over at david he looks over at david and he's like david you ever been fired and he's like hey yeah i've been fired got fired by by Michael Olympus, and he's like, "Who's that?" And then they both just start laughing, <laughs> like they're awesome. Because together. who gives a shit? <laughs> they, they, they like kick a trunk and it starts moving, and they're just laughing. Literally, he's just like, dude. Sting just reeks of I had nothing else going on. Yeah, dude, he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so. At this point, Sting is starting to show frustration. Um, Which I'm sure just looks like, I'm a bit peeved. No, it just becomes like, (sighs) I I just, I really don't have time for this anymore, man. (laughs) 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 And so, because they basically tell him that a a ton of the movie is going to be reworked, which means entire songs are going to have to be cut or reconstructed because they're about, you know, the Owen Wilson character, they're about the little, you know, stone guy that's getting cut. And then he's in um, the Dodging Unlimited. <laughs> uh, so, y- you know, like, he, he, he claims at this point to be, he's like, he says in the camera, he's like, you know, but it's sort of, yeah, they told me they're going to have to rework everything. They're not, they're not quite sure how long that's going to take them on their end. But then, you know, they have to finish that before I can really get started. Um, but I'm sort of galvanized creatively. I feel, I feel uh, uh, excited to get back in. But he looks fucking drained. Sure, like, yeah. When I'm, he's saying that, I'm sure like, he still walked out the highest paid person on this 
whole endeavor. Rob, so he's just guy, on some retainer to like fuck off or whatever, you know. So a guy that we're not going to talk about much. He's like, uh, he was the guy who did the original version of the score. Yeah, and he's just this like little dude who's like the animation's incredible. I love to do every little beat, every movement, every touch. <laughs> like you see little him on Max his pianos and he's fucking, he's fucking going on his little piano, and then he gets told that his music was like too busy and he does another draft and he gets told that that was still too busy and they're going in another direction and he's like i feel great man i, I never felt like i was making bad music yeah and, uh, i get paid right so like, like the, i mean that's care. just a, a more high strung thing that that sting is going through too right like it's like ah, right. fuck it my work is good i'm writing great llama songs every day and yeah um, um and this guy only did the score for kingdom of the sun he sort of left with roger uh no that guy that guy did score on a ton of cool movies like, i think he did oh no 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 what i mean is he too. doesn't he leaves this after when roger leaves he doesn't score the movie we watched sting or that uh the guy who with the busy score the guy with the busy score is uh he's sort of brought in later and he gets like taken off kind of a, he's sort of a self-isolated <laughs> late bubble. out early <laughs> Yeah, that's what you want. <laughs> for last person hired, last person fired. <laughs> like, la- la- yeah, first person fired. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he uh, so a- at this point, the crew is forced to do what Disney calls a brain trust meeting, mm-hmm. where all the directors from the different other movies, along with well-known story guys, all gather in a room and pitch and tweak and throw out ideas. This meeting is a nightmare yeah. everyone is like so what if it was two yizmas and then somebody's like okay you got the cat the cat's great the cat should be the whole movie <laughs> and then people are like so what if he turned into the little stone guy and then the movie's really about pacha who can now be a waterfall that's magic oh. like every well, like literally i want to be in that so, room so that's so what i'm bad. saying it's, it's so like unhelpful the dumb <laughs> shit that was thrown out for t- toy story 2 or inside out you know what i mean or monsters inc or incredible like like the the, it's it is a testament to like like you said this movie it's got jokes that work the plot is perfectly like functional it's incredible that those meetings boil down to perfectly fine decisions i guess yeah yeah it's i mean uh, and sometimes great decisions and sometimes like you know like you said perfectly meshed story you know it it takes i think like you said like they call that meeting whereas you see somewhere like pixar is having that meeting every day for four years throughout a movie and that's how you end up catching the proper sort of trajectory of something but if it's like this we're flying everyone in this weekend to fix the llama movie it, it might not work now it's great if pacha and uh, and cusco as a llama are going through but what if they find a gun (laughs) <laughs> could they talk could the gun be linked to the 9-11 attacks yeah i just <laughs> was watching the news <laughs> the news the news um, so everyone so so from these meetings they come up with some new a new pitch for the movie right hmm. at this point in the documentary who's vampire hunter <laughs> 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 it's just he's a llama with a stake in his lungs. <laughs> Very shadowy, foggy poster. 
Um, this part of the documentary has everyone who's in the animation departments, um, and everyone's just like scared and they're all milling around and like swapping stories and they're all like, yeah, so I mean, um, I mean, it's not, the movie's not dead yet. We're not looking, we're not looking for jobs yet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Like everybody's very, and then the, the rumors are like, I heard all the voice acting is changing. I heard there's four plots now and they're going to animate all of them for the executives to see which one they like the most. Uh, oh shit, the character I'm animating on is getting cut. I heard the pitch for the movie is not even taking place in Peru. It's in Jamaica or something, and we're going to have to add, add dreadlocks to Pacha. I heard that <laughs> Roger and Mark are fired, and Pacha's out of the movie, and they move the setting to Nebraska, and it's going to be sheep instead of llamas. Goodness. And then, like, a creaky metal door just, like, opens, and it's lunchtime for them. Yeah. <laughs> they get thrown raw meat. <laughs> a single piece. It's just the Joker snapping a pool cue in half. Yeah. And so so it's really... Uh, I heard Roger was going to go up to Canada and interview a guy, and he got turned into a walrus. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That was where I wanted things to go. (laughs) So uh, these rewrites end up uh, leading uh, to Mako, David Spade's character, becoming the protagonist and being renamed Cusco. They basically rethink the movie with a whole new plot that's pretty different other than you know, leader of a nation gets turned into a llama. You're like saying, in the early versions, he was a prince. Now he's just the emperor. Yeah. Like before he had parents and all this other stuff, they just cut all that. It's kind of a like new groove in this version. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of, they kind of hit a new groove. They kind of gave the emperor a new groove in this one. Okay. Interesting um, take. Yeah. But what if like called the kingdom of the sun's new groove? <laughs> what if like, just like, hear me out. Both of them just like work in a gas station. <laughs> and it's like over like a hell mouth <laughs> and they release nazi hot dogs oh man god damn god damn god damn god damn if those movies weren't um, so visibly easy to make we would cover them in a heartbeat <laughs> but they were clearly made in a day they were so easy <laughs> they, were, they were pretty smooth sailing. they were made on a cannon power shot <laughs> uh spike you can uh you can read this quote from allers Maybe my biggest mistake was trying to pull in too many ideas. The big songs, the funny villain, the mysticism. I tried to pull everything into the dish soup, and uh, maybe I held on to too many ingredients. Now, who knows? Maybe no sting? I mean, I I feel like I'm standing here with fragments like confetti falling through my fingers. (laughs) I was up all night grieving this. I mean... It was four years developing, and the movie was like one-third animated, and I was just going to be too disheartened for me. It was going to just be too disheartening for me. I had I had no resentment towards anybody who took over the film. I myself had worked with another director on the early versions of The Lion King before he was taken off and I was teamed up with somebody else. It happened so often. And then he smothers a baby. <laughs> Well, here, Spike, uh, just because this quote, I had to include it from uh, one of the other executives, Han. 
Brenda Chapman got taken off of Brave, which is her story about her and her daughter. It's almost a tradition at a certain point. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, dude. Maybe don't take her off of We the took story cars about her away and her from daughter. a Chevy Nova. <laughs> <laughs> you think I give a fuck about Brenda Chapman and her goddamn archery picture? <laughs> I bring carts at the drop of a fucking hat, kid. <laughs> this is the picture business. <laughs> I remember when a daddy long legs brought me to one sheet for a bug's life. I said, you're not on this thing anymore. I got to get a guy I know can deliver. <laughs> I said, you go home. We'll give you your minimum wage and we'll get the fuck out of here. <laughs> this movie's about a fucking llama. What, you think I got a fucking llama to make it? I give a fucking shit. Almost a tradition at a certain point. It's a fucking tradition. <laughs> I fucking need a minute. <laughs> so I really like everything you're doing with Abraham Lincoln here, but what if he was a vampire hunter? <laughs> oh my god. Oh. So, uh, so Roger Allers basically he talks about how the day before this screening, he had to go like, like drop his daughter off at college, and it was like this really emotional oh. like like thing of like sending this thing off and it going off into the world, and then he like had to send off this movie he'd been working oh. on for like three years, and it just gets absolutely eviscerated, and they're like, well, everything you did is awful. But two of the actors you hired are okay, but we're bringing in people to rethink everything. And he was just, like you said, he was too disheartened. Yeah. So at that point, with the entire movie being reworked, Roger Allers decides it's best for him to walk away from the project. What has he done since? Has he done anything since? Um, Powder. I was... Uh, no, Roger Allers, uh, he did uh, The Prophet, which was like a really well-received uh, thing. He did Surf's Up. He had a special thanks. Like, he worked closely with that. Oh, Shia LaBeouf's um, Surf's Up? He worked on, yeah, he worked on uh, Lilo and Stitch as like a story supervisor. Um, Ain't that some shit? He just walks out of the live-action Lion King with a special thanks. Yeah. Uh, but he, I tried to do more, um, a little more research to see if he's sort of doing anything lately like if he's working on something and I, I i don't i searched on variety and in the trades and it doesn't really seem like he's up to much maybe he's he just may, like he i get to collect retired. money you know like yeah, he's like he may I'm, have just retired honestly on like you know everything he had going on <laughs> well you know he kind of has the, looking at his credits it reminds me of um Fuck, who are the two guys? They actually were just covered on blank check. Uh, the bit of the the Renaissance guys. They did a lad or they did Musker and Clemens. So those guys are currently on like a secret like retainer where Disney is like they're retired. We well, don't they hope they wear it every night. But like they are our go-tos if something's about to crumble and we need it to happen. If we need if a happy meal's coming out or that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, so I wonder yeah. if he's just like 
getting checks on every movie we've loved for the, since this. He's just like, keep me out of the general meetings. Call me when I'm needed. Well, yeah. And then the guy, the guy who ended up directing it, uh, Mark Diddle, he's boy, did he? he, he's like, he's, he's pretty cool. Like he seems just like a really easy guy to work for and work with. And he was, they were directing it together for a while. Um, because Diddle was kind of brought in to make it like a little <laughs> bit on. lighter and hold on now. And no, like, make it a make it a diddle bit lighter. <laughs> uh, but he he is the one who uh, like eventually made uh, Emperor's New School. And yeah, and how many uh, Chicken Littles did he go on to direct? I believe that is one. Okay, yeah, that's all you need for a nice acted career. in it, directed it, wrote it. And animated on it. Isn't like, that one of Don Knotts's like last movies? Chicken Chicken Little is sort of Mike Mike Dindle's like like it's, like it's, his Cassavetti's film. Magnum. Like he, yeah. it's his it's his magnum. Yeah, he was like, I take this all the way across the finish line. And then we, um, Oaky Oaks Ace Cluck. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, but Diddle, uh, I like Chicken Diddle. Seems easy to work with. This Diddle is attached to an untitled Funko film. That makes sense. Coming to development hell in 2024. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely cover the yeah. Funko. Yeah, ain't no way that's smooth sailing. <laughs> no, that's that's not getting out of this storm unharmed. <laughs> that has <clears throat> to be like a similar to the Lego thing where. Lego technically has the rights to every IP ever, as long as it looks like yeah. a Lego. Funko probably is like, we have the rights to all this. It just has to look like a dead-eyed bobblehead. <laughs> they just remake Coraline, but everyone is just like a pop SpongeBob talking to Thanos. Have you seen the, have you seen the Kirby one? It's no. fucking atrocious. A Kirby a Funko? Pink, yeah, it's just a pink orb with two black eyes <laughs> oh jesus like, it has nothing they literally just put the head on the feet yeah like it's just done they they finished that funko in two minutes yeah that, that man really had, had an out. early dinner that night oh and there's one called gooey that's way worse gooey um so at this point they call up sting uh and he's like because they basically want to feel out if he's if he's down to like continue you know making the music and he's like yeah i just want to finish this <laughs> yeah this is killing uh, my hard drives and the producer is like yeah uh that producer randy's like yeah this is uh there's usually bumps um this is a pretty extreme bump yeah <laughs> uh and he goes <clears throat> Sting says, I felt like I'd served my time for Disney. I'd made six songs that they liked and they had approved. And now they want to change the script. Hmm. But it was Roger's baby and he's gone. And no one wants to be attached to a turkey. So this movie has to be successful for all of us. So I guess whatever it takes. Just a fucking so it's employee. Like- <clears throat> Yeah, like, and that's like, the thing is he doesn't want to, he's Sting, he shouldn't have to be a company man. <laughs> and he doesn't want to be, and he starts to rebel. So. Yeah. You know, it's like, um, I, I'm hearing that and thinking about how he, um, how, like, Puff Daddy never, uh, like, got the rights 
for that uh, police song. So Sting got all of the money from it. <laughs> and I'm like, so he's collecting those checks while that's happening. That's the thing is he's just like vengefully making any other money that he can. You know, it's like he's just the passive income is like in the billions. At this that's point. passive income. <laughs> so with Sting back on board, the production with him figuring out the rewrites, the production is back into full gear. Allers describes seeing the production come back like a ghost inhabiting another body and walking around very strangely. Because <laughs> he was like, yeah, it's, it's not what I was doing, but it sure is happening, huh? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you, which, I, you can kind of see room for songs in this movie where like, yeah. I feel like for 78 minutes... It's, it kind of drags a little bit. Like, it's the story is a little empty in terms of when he says it's going to take four days now, I got really mad. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. Get there right now. <laughs> like, everything that happens in this movie, beat for beat, could happen in Emperor's New School, the TV show, in 30 minutes. <laughs> That was, dude, when it, when that bridge happened, like, this could be an episode of the show where, like, in one episode he gets turned into a llama and sent kind of down the road. Because, like, dude, your summer home was going to be down the street from your home. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying, Uh, Kuzco. (laughs) Weather's going to be the exact same. So, Spike, you can go ahead and uh, and read this uh, this because at this point they had the green light again from Disney, but the crew learns that Disney had signed without them sort of talking about it the paperwork for the Dis- for the Happy Meal uh, deal. Uh, we had a year, literally, to put that whole thing together. There's a deadline because we got a McDonald's Happy Meal that has to come out on a certain date, and there are big fines to pay if you don't do that. (laughs) Millions. We had to finish on time. So they work like mad. Uh, They crack the new version of the story, and they outsource a ton of the animation to Paris. Um, They add John Goodman in to replace Owen Wilson, making Pacha 45 from 16. Uh, we have a John Goodman quote. Who wants to read the John Goodman? We'll give, we'll give Richard the, the 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 dream. Yo, these McDonald's toys are ass. These they're suck. terrible. They these show them like looking suck. at them. They're really they're a bad line. They're a bad line of of McDonald's toys for sure. They're all like uh, launchers. Yeah, they're all oh, really cheapos. Oh, do they all go booyah ha, 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 as you? They all say them? boom baby or some shit like that. I'm sure. There's one <laughs> that's, that's what, like, just they... it, it's it's human Cusco, llama Cusco, uh, Poncho or whatever his name is, Isma Kronk and Cat Isma. Oh, man, so I, I always like that. Like Disney toys always, or like McDonald's toys always had one spoiler. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you'll like you'll get it later. Um, <laughs> It'd be like it's like oh you got Kid Goku, and then you'll have like Gold Super Saiyan Goku. You're like oh well that's gonna happen, right? You're like why are there two trunks? Yeah. Why is there a little boy trunks? Wait, what Pokemon is that? I've never seen that Pokemon <laughs> before. <laughs> he kind of looks like this other Pokemon. Are you? What? I'll have to tune in. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to tune into that one. This is the little um, tiny baby mon- mobster. <laughs> oh, in my so, Happy Meal, I couldn't have helped but notice that there was a new type of Pokemon. Hey, teacher, <laughs> you're telling me there's no Pokemon I ain't heard about? What you talking about? Early, the show's gonna be on soon. <laughs> Gotta see my anime. I'm taping it on TiVo, which has just been invented. <laughs> hey, bitch, you ever heard of the Fox Box or what? Hey, Tom's gonna die on Toonami. I gotta tune in. <laughs> this is like Andrew Dice Clay as like a 90-year-old. What is this, some kind of Raichu? <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, um, Richard, what did John Goodman say? I can't remember whether I'd worked for Disney yet or not. They had all the storyboards up and the character sketches, the models. They told me what the guy was about. I thought I'd be working with David Spade. That was one of the draws. Uh, We did a couple of sketches on SNL, and I think he's brilliant. Uh, But I don't remember going in with him at all. I was just isolated. I would have liked to meet Eartha Kitt. I dug her. (laughs) So, like, John Goodman kind of signed on to be like, oh, cool, Eartha Kitt, fucking David Spade, I'm in. And then he just had to, like, go in a booth in Burbank alone and be like, but you got to come with me. You (laughs) can tell the movies when they're when it's that versus when it's, uh, you know, they were in the room. And what sucks is they had maybe it was scheduling shit or whatever, but they had Owen Wilson and David Spade together. Wow. Footage of them recording together and they looked like they were having fun. Sweet. Yeah. Well, I mean, that sounds like a fun pair. I don't mean that sounded like sarcastic, but I mean, like, I get that those two would kind of be cool comic foils at each other. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think they would have a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, so they also add Kronk, uh, yes. by the great Patrick Warburton. Now I have two Kronk quotes here. The first one, the first one is about, is about his performance. And then the second one's the craziest thing I've ever read. So I'll take the boring one. Yeah. I remember thinking to myself when I was looking at some of this dialogue, Kronk, is he an ogre or giant, a robot, a monster? That is a funny amount of examples. <laughs> of examples for him to be saying in um, his voice. It's like he could just be going like, yeah. a bat, a rake. <laughs> Was he like a, a frost giant? <laughs> Was he a building? Was he a brick? Was he a tire? Was he a Chevy? I'm not. Chevy Torque. I'm not. I'm I'm not really <laughs> sure. Oh, Kronk is a person. Okay. W- what I was able to decipher was that he was a henchman, but something of a reticent henchman, not so aggressive or nasty. He liked to cook, and I thought, well, okay, he's not deep or gravely. As an actor, you're always trying to look for different options. <laughs> I, I went with one where I just thought I brought his voice. You know, he talks like this right down here, a little more whispery, and he'd get a little excited about stuff. There's something kind of sweet about that. It is one of so his I sweeter like the, characters. The voice, the voice breaking is kind of does add kind of a sweet mm-hmm. thing. It's something know? he kind of only does for that, and like he knows how to play sad so beautifully. I like he. It's the only it's like the funniest Joe Swanson ever gets to where like mm-hmm. he he cracks under that like 
he's got the most masculine voice anyone will ever have in history, and he knows that cracking it a little bit is very effective. I think at this time, though, like right, so, that's what he so was we doing. Because remember, on Seinfeld, he was like, he was the interesting. Before that, he says that you're always looking for like different options. It's like you stole my all due respect to Patrick Warburton. I. I don't get that he's always looking for different options. Well, I think he probably knows that people see him as one. Yeah, of course. Trying to find a there's there's certainly gigs. That, it's like know, you like, see that with a lot of people who are so. That's not to say he's not incredible. No, he yeah, he's incredible. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. That putty. That was such a dialed-in specific thing. I think it's. Well, it's like, it's kind of like a, do you see Jeff Goldblum do this and you see Nick Cage do this where there's sometimes when they're really going for something in its own lane and then there's half the time they are clearly showing up, talking to the director and going, so you just kind of want me to do the Jeff Goldblum thing or you just want me to do the Nick Cage thing, right? All right, cool, cool. Like, there's a mutual understanding that half the time Patrick Warburton is hired to do that thing. Yeah, which is, I'm sure, as a voice, he's got, I was looking it up, he's 181 acting credits on IMDb, and it's like, is its own. Yeah, if he, if you heard what he's doing there out of Joe Swanson, you'd think something was wrong, and vice versa. Back in 1985. He definitely knows what he's doing. Dragon Art Hill. Oliver Reed was the villain, Eartha Kitt. Yeah, absolutely. And the whisper. I mean, it's. it's, I'm the one white. He knows he can't really change his pitch, so he can at least change the sort of. Now, I was 22 years old. Rhythm and inflection. Yeah, exactly. Road crew in college. Um, So I. But what else did Warburton say? I wrote crew in college. Carly Gugino was uh, 24, and Spike Kids. So, you know, I was still in pretty damn good shape. And uh, it's one of those exploitation type of films. So, uh,. Once they got me up on the blocks, of course, the women have their husbands there and they're twirling their prior cells like, oh, darling, I want that one. To reiterate, these are the worst movies Charlie ever Gugino made. is 24. And- <laughs> My wish is that nobody would ever see them ever again. Because as bad as these movies are, I truly believe, I truly was the worst thing in them uh oliver reed who sometimes would star with a start with a little bit of whiskey at uh, 10 in the morning is a uh, really the only watchable thing in them he was a uh, relegator doing crappy movies like ours because they uh couldn't ensure a major production <laughs> with him at the time <laughs> finally he garnered oh, some trust Patty. and they hired him on gladiator and he he died making gladiator drunk in a bar on the island of malta i think he was in an ar- i think he was arm wrestling a rugby team the night of his death, it cost them millions of dollars in post. <laughs> what a wild quote about what is it like to work with Earth the Kit? <laughs> <laughs> that just shows the amount of cocaine being done behind the scenes, too. Of just Dude, like- Earth the Kit rules. Earth, yeah, dude, and and Earth I will say like there's so there's so much fun footage of her behind the scenes, and she's like committing so hard to the physicality. She's like her headphones are like falling off because she's like shaking her head sure. like he's supposed to be dead. 
Yeah. yeah. Those like, on she's going so yeah. big. Did you see like, the she's uh, fucking owns, dude? In, I guess in the fifties, Orson Welles called her quote the most exciting girl in the world. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy because like every one of her performances has a lot of people thinking it's so real that they kill themselves. Mm, yeah, that's true. Hell yeah, absolutely. I think the in August of two thousand seven, of, uh, of Kingdom of the Sun. <laughs> I think uh, Owen Wilson watched Holes and <laughs> was like, "Wow, I think I gotta get out of here." <laughs> He knew we couldn't carry uh, Madame Zeroni up the mountain. So. Yeah, he saw that Stanley Yelnats was last name backwards. He was like, I think I'm done. <laughs> he put his thumb up to the mountain like this one. Oh, wow. <laughs> Goodbye. A daily onions. <laughs> uh, that'll so be. With- I'd like to announce a production wrap on that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with the first, with the first arc of the movie storyboards uh, fully uh, complete, they have another screening. So they're not even letting them get all the way through the whole movie this time. They're like, "We're gonna have a screening when sure. you're done with yeah, the first yeah, yeah. act." You come in every Friday. You take a look. Yeah, at it's what yeah. doing. What other movie did we cover recently where they switched to like, "No, we're gonna see dailies," or they're like, well, "We need everything every day." Was this yeah. was this L.A. Noir where they were constantly rechecking the whole dang thing? it was one of them where there was just like it went from every week to every day so um redline uh, yeah yeah but that was that was glorious though so they have another screening uh for the movie um however this time it goes well uh the movie has been refocused as a full comedy and it plays very funny in the screening room it's like Uh, it's it's basically the movie we watched yeah, it's very vindicating for the crew still working on it. Like they've been they're like almost I think they're almost four years deep at this point, like three and a half years deep. And this is the first time they've been told, like, the thing you're working on is good. <laughs> they've never seen their kids. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, it's been it's been bad. So uh, with that new movie structure in place, now they have to go back to Sting and be like, we're ready. We're ready for you again, <laughs> sir. They nudge him away. <laughs> yeah, he's he's um, drunk in a bar on the island of Malta, just like <laughs> wrestling a rugby team. Uh, I'll I'll let you guys read this. Uh, whoever wants to can read this sting quote. I just posted it. So this is this is Sting on having to write with the, uh, 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 based on an entirely new script. I feel like I've gotten to the top of Everest. Then been, then been knocked back down. So I'm having to raise the energy to do this again. Uh, in a time where my mind is doing other things, the window of time I had allowed for this is gone. And now I'm doing my album, and I'm being asked to do a complete 180. I'm not a quitter. But it's not an ideal situation to be in. And basically... True Sting that, is Sting. very uninspired. Right. He's very uninspired by the lack of scale in the current version. Um, what do you mean? It takes four on... days. It <laughs> is really like, yeah, it takes fucking four goddamn days after that bridge breaks. Um, they go to a whole restaurant and do a whole little door routine. Um, the... Oh, I, I'm on my way. I understand that critique from him where like this movie feels like... Ah, fuck it. Don't draw that corner of this frame. 
or on a, on an artistic level and then from a story level is just wait so they go from a they go from point a to point b and it's not that difficult and then when they get there it's not that difficult well and then like uh he he basically he's like it's like another like time when he's like alone with his wife filming basically and he's like this is like a story about friendship and learning to be a good person and that's those are great elements to base a story on but do you need my songwriting ability specifically yeah what about this needs sting me yeah and he's he's like comfortable in himself enough because he doesn't need this movie so he's comfortable in himself enough to ask of like what does this serve to have me be a part of it anymore? No, and I get that because he was brought on to write to an idea, and now he's being asked to write to the Emperor's new groove. You know, where like someone they originally come to him with this really simple, like, like fable at the heart of the original story, and he's like, I can write to that. But now and it's then like, they go. Hey, so now the star is the weird dude from Don't uh, from Just right, Shoot Me. Right now it's now it's it's Tommy Boy meets Prince and the Popper, and your Sting, isn't that kind of fucked up? Write us yeah. seven songs. <laughs> yeah, he's like write us seven songs that work for this, and he's just kind of like, what is this anymore? Yeah, this <laughs> like, is, well, because again. Sting is the kind of guy in that same way where you trick him with a lofty idea. There's nothing less lofty than a finished cartoon. Right. Right. <laughs> that thing like is set in yeah. stone and it's waiting. Uh, and it can't, it's not open for as much interpretation. Right. You know? So it's, it's definitely a lot more uh, stifled. So eventually with his album on, on tour and the production dragging on the producers settle on sing sting, simply doing an opening slash closing song and a song to play over the credits. So oh, he's now the, only uh, going to do two songs. The Will so Smith he does. He does <laughs> like that, that big, that big banger. Cause he's just so incredibly talented that like he's the kippest cat in the nation. <laughs> the man of all of creation sure. which like sounds like a like b-side to an elton john song the whole to time. hercules or something right. yeah well so so he he's like yeah like one elton wrote, wrote himself he's basically like i wrote this song it's great but my voice isn't gonna do this right and so they go out to vegas and they record with tom jones i believe yeah i knew i knew yeah. i i was like is that tom jones that, that's yeah, what I thought in my so, head, and I was I knew like, this movie wasn't by unusual." Sting. Yeah, <laughs> it's written by Sting, but Sting is like Tom Jones will kill this. It should be Tom Jones singing. Well, Tom that's Jones is a killer. We, we all know that he's a track killer. They call him the track killer. He kills it on the track. Um, Yet Tom Jones in the booth, he brings the fire. So let's see. This is just a really funny thing about what was happening uh, with like Disney at that time. Reynolds is one of the screenwriters. Uh, whoever wants to read this can read this. At one point during the middle of a story meeting, Randy came in and said, okay, Disney ESPN is doing a promotion and they're going to start showing the World Double Dutch Jump Rope and Championship. So if you could work Jump Rope into the movie, that would be fantastic. <laughs> and we went, yeah, no problem, no problem. They walk out, we're like, jump roping. But I go, look at the movie we have. Of course we can figure out jump roping. And then all of a sudden, in literally three minutes, we had Kronk jump roping. Look, it's a good bit. 
I just don't like that it came out of that meeting. I liked it when right? it w- didn't come out of that meeting, but now it's the worst part of the movie. <laughs> well, and I love that, like, Kronk's new groove really was just like, hey, what if all of those notes about Kronk were one movie? Where it's right, like- yeah, just there's just no bush. But I liked the, the part where, like, that was <laughs> such a no fucking... It's a, it's a Cheney movie. So. Yeah. <laughs> he was really in charge that second term. The, like... No one that's, talks about Donald Rumfeld's part. That's a solid uh, rusted piece. Just kidding. That's this like uh, solid piece of like three Stooges esque like physical, you know, cartoon comedy. You know, where like Isma swoops in and now she's holding the middle and this and that and it's well that that and that joke represents everything that Disney does on like it's like Toon Disney or Disney XD channel when it's like for like. 14 year olds like a gravity falls type joke you know or like a phineas and ferb you know like those are the same type of jokes that like they aim for so it feels like those are the type of that dude's probably still in charge like hey can you make them do this thing yeah (laughs) right he's the reason things have been skateboarding with sunglasses on for fucking 25 years (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) he's the guy who hired bowling for soup to do the phineas and ferb song (laughs) so so they they sort of are getting through the movie, but now there comes a big question of does Pacha need a family? Those guys from Bowling Should for Pacha, Soup do not look good, by the way. They are they not fucking, looking good. Bowling for Soup aged like a bowl of soup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> aged like a bowling ball <laughs> in a, in a um, pot of soup. <laughs> so, no. So, so ba- basically, there high school this question ends. of... Does Pacha need a family? Like, is it stronger if Pacha doesn't have a family and he's just a lonely guy? And so he gets to have like Cusco as sort of a or family. Should he or have like, a smoke show of a wife with right. with like the only two kid the, the, with two kids who are the only ethnically drawn characters in this whole movie? <laughs> and and also uh are weirdly like psychic maybe because they have like a dreams about exactly what happened to their father and gina pointed out they also possess super speed yes so. they just like rigged up a whole little funny ramp yeah they're yeah. Um, they're variants of wanda's kids <laughs> There's like so that's what them. that's what they're talking about with the like looney tunes-ness of it you know what i mean like when yzma gets like thrown out in the wheelbarrow and they're yeah, like it's just Tar and feather, but, like it just happens it's they okay. don't and it's okay because it, it's and the, the people yeah. who made it are like yeah i just i can't believe they let us do all this at a disney movie yeah it's awesome like uh um, yeah the other so, idea like, was david's play uh, david space plays basketball with bugs bunny so as they're trying to decide if the family, uh, How dare you. like if Pacha's family is a strong enough piece, because now everything in the movie is under question, right? Yeah. Like nothing is safe because everything is like, ooh, is this the thing we need to take out? That's or so is this crazy. the thing that Even we should double? Even after a double? successful uh, screening. Well, it's another thing where Tom Shoemaker is like, I don't know. When, when we get to the family, it just feels slow to me. I want to take my pants off one more time. <laughs> So, like the animator who's like the key animator for Chicha, who's his wife, um, he's like, yeah, they'll just walk by my office and they'll be like, hey, man, we're so sorry. We just came out of the writer's room. We killed off Chicha. She's only going to be in like two minutes of the movie. And he's like, oh, dude, that that's terrible. We'll just send me the storyboards. I'll start working on it. And then they'll walk by the next day and be like, so Chicha. 
big character now. She's coming with him on the adventure. <laughs> and then the next day, they'll wa- he'll be like, great, just set- send me the storyboards and I'll start working on them. And then the next day, they'll walk by and they'll be like, all right, so Cheech is in the movie, but she's very, she's in the background. There's not much Chicha. <laughs> like, and I was so watching ESPN and Chicha wasn't on that thing at all. So we might as well not and have Chicha. They have all these like production stuff that gets sent to them. And so this dude's like, yep. Uh, yesterday I was 23.3% of the way done with my work. And uh, because of my scenes getting cut, I'm now 68.2% of the way done with my work. Wow. And you're just like, oh, my God, to yeah. look over it at that minutia. But that's how they look at it, you know? Um, it's funny because it's just super, probably just... super. No, I was saying like because uh, Cheech's uh, voice actress is just like someone else from Just Shoot Me. Oh, really? Yeah, she's she's the yeah. she's the mom from Adventure Adventure uh, Land. Freaking. These are major credits. She's, she's <laughs> right? good. She's good. No, I, so didn't, know, I didn't know she's get. so fucking famous. Well, that no, no, no. What I mean is just like that's just like an easy get. It feels like a last yeah, minute. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, David Spade, get somebody else. Call to us. Show a fa- call in a yeah. favor. Yeah. yeah. Which they don't even really call in because like Disney owns ABC and it's on ABC, so it's like it's just cheating all around. So you know? so at, at at this point, Sting has been on the movie for two years. Fuck this. Yeah, him and his buddy are both like, at this point, they get together for it again, and they're like, how long have we been doing this? And his friend just goes, <sighs> stop asking me that sting. Oh, his, <laughs> fucking, his fucking wife, too. Yeah, his wife's been filming for yeah, fucking she's years. the one who's been cranking away. She's gone, and she, she's been like going and filming Eartha Kit teaching kids how to dance. Oh, my God. That's a whole scene in the movie, Eartha Kit rips. Um, so, <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, yeah, at, at this point, the documentary really highlights how hard everyone is working. You know, Sting has got the music together. They're like recording with Tom Jones and like the full band, the animators animating like crazy. The dudes in Paris are inking like crazy. Like everybody's just the fucking machine is in fucking full motion. Um, And you got, you got burgers to sell. It's yeah, exactly. (laughs) We got burgers to sell. It's cram time. Uh, And Everyone is working all around the clock. So here's another quote from uh, from Randy Fulmer. I only told this to a few people. Tom Schumacher did not <laughs> come glasses. to my office except one time. And he was almost crying, ready to lose it. He said, I don't know if you know what you're doing or not, but I am not going over across the street and telling Michael Eisner that we've spent $40 million and we have nothing to show. <sighs> Now that's that's integrity, right? I'm not going to um, my boss to atone for my mistakes. Well, th- that's like uh, <laughs> th- that's like buying a car, and the uh, and the guy selling you the car is like, hey, I'm not gonna go back there and like go back and forth and try. Ugh. I'm just gonna come at the first time with the price you want, man. So uh, <laughs> now let me go back and check on that price. <laughs> that's exactly what this shit is, right? Now, this next Blue Book value on Emperor's New Groove. (laughs) It's now time for another screening. Good. And this is like the big one. Yeah. Um, This is Michael Eisner is going to be there. Sting will be in attendance. The full thing is going to be shown with all the the placeholder animation that they have. Um, 
And the movie ends with Cusco still building his giant palace thing. Cusopolis. Cusopolis. And now the family lives in it. Yeah. And it ends with him and the family jumping into a llama shaped swimming pool. Oh, good. I was hoping it would be from a, a llama from shaped a water swimming slide. pool. And then they find a gun in the water. This ending uh, infuriates Sting. <laughs> he's like, why? So he's so upset with the ending. Uh, he this he reads out uh, this this he writes this letter, um, gentlemen. When you achieve genuine human values, you do not need a theme park or a water slide. Great. I've been aware for a while now that my version of the world and Disney's may be at odds. I can only be candid, but there's something intrinsically faulty about this film. I find it hard to continue working on something that goes against my core beliefs. I offer my views humbly and I await your response. Every llama pool. <laughs> this is every water slide. Every goosecopolis. Every new groove. I don't think it's cool. <laughs> he made it, folks. He made it. I thought he was going to get gassed out halfway through, but he's got sunglasses on during the <laughs> nah, recording. Nah, dog, I got a new it. groove right now. Yeah, dude, you can't throw off Spike's fucking groove. Really taking us episode. to a new school. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, I mean... I do want to say real quick, squeaker squeakins. Squeaker squeakins. I just want that out. I just want that out. Squeaker squeakins. Before the media circus gets a hold of this, I would like to say squeaker squeakins. Now, what I, a letter to send. Yeah, that's nuts. What if they just sent back a letter that just said squeakity 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 <laughs> squeakity And then he wrote a letter back like, I'll give you two more songs. <laughs> Fuck off. Um, so there was, there's footage of Thomas uh, Schumacher uh, reading the letter. <laughs> and he sort of pauses and, and then he goes down, cuts his hands he off goes, hmm. that's actually a really good note Ugh. Ugh. and this guy's like officially gross too <laughs> yeah yeah uh he he's he's basically like he's basically like he shouldn't have a huge water slide he should have a small little place in the countryside it shows he doesn't need one hey good um, good good producing is understanding how to read a, uh, a note that you might not agree with yeah how about instead of a water slide it's it's one of those like four person slides where you get a piece of carpet and slide down so, so I'll I'll let I'll let one of you guys read this sting quote here. So, I think this sums up how he felt. Uh Thomas Schumacher looks so much like um like it'd be pretty easy to have Alan Cummings play Thomas Schumacher. Like he's got that <laughs> yeah, weird, like yeah. lizardy theater face. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Truly, we cannot bag on Thomas Schumacher enough. I think he's still in a position of power at Disney also. Um, I'll put him in a position of power. As of 2018, subject of an internal my fist. investigation at Disney in inappropriate behavior. But, like, if that's the last we heard was 2018, what the fuck are we doing? <laughs> he's not making another movie. Yeah. 
I guess not. Currently the president of the Disney Theatrical Group. Oh, that's not good. <clears throat> Live show, stage play, and musical production arm of Walt Disney Company. So he got the job he eventually wanted. Oh, no. And the... Th- yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's which, what he wanted. Which during COVID, I bet was a hit. Yeah, I hope he got COVID. <laughs> That'd be tight. That'd be tight. Give yeah. Thomas Shoemaker COVID, it'd be tight. Um, yeah, pump him with saline if he gets the vaccine. Yo, put, Tom, put <laughs> Thomas Schumacher in like a mean-ass conservatorship. <laughs> uh, so I, I th- there's this uh, quote from Sting uh, that, I, that kind of sums up how he felt at this time. I think it's a real concern of mine that I'm allowed to this organization that seems to want to take the best of different cultures, suck them up, and then spit them out into something that's like a hamburger. It's not something I want to do, and I don't. They think they want to do it if they really think about it. I'm in a position here because I'm just a songwriter. Do I have any say in the final product here? Just if I stomp on my little feet? Maybe they'll fire me this afternoon if I'm lucky. Maybe not, and something will change for the better. I don't know. He, he doesn't know how to be fired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe this is what does it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I kind of like where he's just like, hey, either they kind of change it or they fire me. And those are two very likely yeah. outcomes that I would enjoy. He's like, <laughs> here's what it is. I think he's like, I'm bu- I think he's spent this whole process like, I'm bulletproof. I'm staying. Fuck it. Spoken um, like a man who got paid up front. But at the same time, I think when he saw this, the, the llama swimming pool, he was like, that actually could hurt me. That's this is bad enough to fuck with the sting of it all. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm writing me a letter. Well, and so and if everyone just had this sort of level of understanding of what you're doing to other cultures, we probably would have a better industry. Yeah. Let he can. He, I like. I like how much of Sting. How much Sting could walk into this industry as like a very well respected person who like doesn't fully understand it that much, and can just be like, "Oh, this is terrible." Yeah. Well, <laughs> different parts yeah. Of exactly. It, you know, it sort like, of speaks to this thing where it's like when you're young and in the industry and stuff like that as like an actor or even like any sort of filmmaker or even comedian you don't want to say certain things that are like ah, that would fuck up me getting a job at some point you know but it's like walking phoenix can win an oscar and be like yo fuck what you guys do to cows you know <laughs> like it can uh, yeah, or like sting can just be like in meetings with disney and not worry about his job and just be like what you guys do to culture sucks you know like and that's pretty cool. You know, it, now at, at at this at this point, like the whole crew, uh, because Schumacher is is like pretty receptive to the note, also. Um, so they they actually change the ending of the movie to what we see now, where he has like the little birdhouse version of Kustopia, and then he like lives in a little place next to Pacha. Yeah, it had a little bit of a sting um, energy that ending. Yeah, yeah, they do um, yoga for twenty three yeah. minutes. They go, they go to, uh, so, so with everything finally coming together, they do an EP with Shaggy more than five years in at this point, the producers and the directors go to Malibu to show sting the final version of the movie. Because at that point he's like, no, 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 you come to me. Yeah, he's yes. like, I, he's like, I, he's done flying there. Yeah, he's, now they Fuck come to you. him in Malibu. I'm in Malibu Thursday. So if you can be there Thursday, yeah, literally. Um, and so, uh, they show it to him and he, he really likes it. 
mm-hmm. he he's like okay they actually they like met me on this um and they talk to him about the end credit song and i think it's either his agent or his dad i'm not sure but it's like an old man who's in the room <laughs> who's like not reading the room dad? yeah and and because they're like he's the like okay because sting sting is there on the couch and he's like he's like i really did love the name uh kingdom of the sun what's the name now Uh, and they go they go emperor's new groove and he goes and he sticks out his tongue and he's like oh it's so cheesy it's so cheesy no emperor's new groove someone had mentioned it to me but i thought they were joking and and, 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 yeah i would think that too and they're like, uh, they're like, well, no, it's it's testing well. I think it's going to be fun. And it's well in either, all the whoever, markets. Whoever it is, either his dad or his agent goes, Emperor's new groove or Emperor's got back his groove. Not, not <laughs> like, that that's one. why I said maybe it's his dad because he tries to like repitch the name of the movie. Yeah, he's not sure how this works. <laughs> and they and the directors just go, no, 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 it's Emperor's new groove. Yeah, like yeah, we shut, shut that shit down, down now so, so before idea hard. number two comes like, out. Hey, how about, hey guys, yeah. guys, hey Sting, tell your tell your friends I got an idea. It's called how the Emperor got his groove back. Yeah, but you yeah. see, on, you see funny. the you see the fear, you see the fear in like the director and the producer's eyes yeah, for a second, where they're like, please don't make us rename this movie again, dude. Like. <laughs> Um, so, uh, at this point it's the home stretch. Uh, the documentary shows the McDonald's toys being approved. The video games are being coded. The marketing people are struggling to figure out how to make the llama on the poster make sense with the movie's title. (laughs) That's a good point. He should be like a guy with a bass guitar. Yeah. So they're like, and the the marketing also ends up being really weird where it's like, uh, it's like a, a a poster of Pacha, and it says hunk, but then like someone has drawn like Cusco's drawn ch- like made it chunk, and they're like that's not a has anything to do with the movie. It's just kind <laughs> like, of mean. That's just sort of Deadpool or chunky. Yeah, yeah that's it's very, very Deadpool. It's very good for like oh you know for the Criterion or for the Steel Book, you do that <laughs> when we've already we already know what the joke is. You think Deadpool's um, getting a Criterion? Uh, it's definitely going to get an arrow box set where it's every minute of Deadpool on its own disc. And they have to send you one because they're like not printing them as fast as they're yeah. <laughs> accepting orders. Ryan Reynolds <laughs> they, is going to fucking... send it to you in those little paper disc covers. Like mm-hmm. a disc sleeve. Yeah. It's going to come in those red box or those uh, Netflix sleeves yeah, we all used comes, to get. It comes in little red box plastic things. Uh, yeah. But it's a red box plastic yeah. thing that's n- that knows it's a red box. To let the listenership thing. in on this, I just self aware. I joined this Facebook UHD Blu ray collectors group, and they're all going through that right now with a Arrow Donnie Darko set. <laughs> well, I hope them the best. I hope that they can turn things around. I hope that, you know, I hope things work out for these people. Dude, the funniest shit was someone said Space Jam sucks, and this guy goes, oh, yeah. So, and he lists all of the specs. He goes, I spent $100,000 on my set. You think I'm going to hate Space Jam? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think you are. The, like, echo um, in his bedroom when he hit enter, sending that fucking comment. 
So, so I mean, the the movie the movie was a good was a a, a good success when it came out, despite the marketing being rough, uh, despite everything else. Um, the ending song that Sting eventually wrote, which he was very like, you know, you got this funny movie, and then you have me coming in and doing this rather sad song at the end. It's <laughs> I don't know if it really fits, but I guess they want it. <laughs> like, even at the end, he was like, are you guys still sure that you want Sting in this? Because this doesn't feel like a Sting thing the whole rest of the time. That's true. Right. Uh, and he's right. But that gets nominated for an Oscar, that song. Uh, so Sting ends up being, like, kind of stoked. My funny friend it. and me. Even though he didn't, uh, even though it wasn't the Elton John uh type success that he wanted no but i mean even today i was driving and i i heard from two different cars they were playing my funny friend and me by sting (laughs) (laughs) fucking ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) oh fucking hey uh sting sting ended uh the documentary with saying this uh I have to say, as much as I bitched and moaned about having to write for committee and having an artistic censor, every time I had to go back and work it, it got better. So, I don't know. I have to say the process works, I guess. (laughs) He's just a pro. (laughs) Bummed out that he, to realize he's a good employee. Yeah. That he's, there's no punk left in him. Uh, so we have we have two more we have two more quotes here. Um, yeah, this is uh, uh, Richard. Why don't you go ahead and read this one? This is from uh, Miller Zanecki. Uh, they were one of the um, marketing people, I believe. I was still in that uh, publicity slash ancillary support role, so I was in those meetings with consumer products. Uh, Disney Interactive folks were super excited to put a game out, uh, but we were like. Somebody gonna make a Cusco plush? Uh, tell me there's a llama. There's a stuffed llama somewhere. Come on. Yzma Kitty, so cute. Somebody, come on. And then uh, Anderson goes on to say, uh, I believe it was a rap party that was the first time I saw the finished film. It was a little bit of like, oh, we made that. It's like a Looney Tunes cartoon more than a Disney cartoon in some respects. And even now when I'm flipping channels or something and I see it on, I can't believe it. I remember finding it on TV, the scene of Yzma and Patra's village where she bursts out of the closet and she gets tarred and feathered as she's going down the hill and then becomes a pinata at the end. I was like, I can't believe we got away with that. Somebody said they heard the leadership of the studio say, we'll never make that kind of movie again. Yeah. And then that guy got into a car with three other friends uh, and they were supposed to meet up with this girl at a church. And... (laughs) I don't like like this. Uh, So this is our last quote. Uh, Spike, you go ahead and read this quote from the uh, Reynolds, the screenwriter. All right. I'll tell you one other thing about this story that nobody gets. One day, a friend of mine at the studio comes by pushing a two-wheel cart. It had three or four legal boxes on it. He goes, all right, Reynolds, thanks for this. I go, what's that? He goes, this is the groove these boxes this is everything you've written anytime you write something and you hand it in they stamp it and it goes into a box somewhere because disney owns it it's like that last scene in raiders of the lost ark sometime later the movie's out and a guy knocks on my door 
and says, are you Dave Reynolds? I'm from Archives. I just need the final script for Emperor's New Groove. They st- they didn't send me, they didn't send one down. I go, what's that? He goes, the final draft, the whole final script. I go, no script. He goes, there's no script? What are you talking about? I go, we don't have a script. We never wrote a script. We just made the movie. <laughs> he goes, you got to have a script. Archives has to have a script. I go, I don't know what to tell you. Tell him to see the movie. It's in theaters right now. He goes, you guys don't have bound pages? I go, nope. We have no bound pages. There's three or four legal boxes. You can have all you want. I saw them the other day. They had a couple interns just take all the pages and put them into a document. And then they wrote interstitials and they slapped my name on it. This is the honest to God's truth. The first and only draft of The Emperor's New Groove was handed in two weeks after the movie was in theaters. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we never discussed... That's, that's how pieced together it was. It was so many people just standing there and like pitching ideas and like he should say this and this and this and this and this. And then that's just insane. It got so put together of like, oh, it got storyboarded and broken in rooms of people that they just never had to write out the shit. Yeah, that's the same insane. thing happened with Endgame. <laughs> you know, it was so many like <laughs> pieces of scripts. Well, you see, but, I mean, uh, that does happen in some weird like live, you know, like live, like um, if you look up the screenplay for the master it has nothing to do with the movie the master <laughs> he literally like needed an excuse to write like i need these characters and locations you know but like there's some actual document that exists or some amount of like you know coke and heroin and booze that they did on that set to like make the master um but it's interesting for disney to require something to be archived for that reason you know yeah and the fact that he's like, dude, I don't know what to tell you. We didn't write it all down. It's just go watch the movie. <laughs> I do like that he was kind of sitting there waiting to get to say something like that. As a credited yeah. writer, I'm sure he was just like, I'm just as bad about this as you. I like the idea that the movie, that's how ass backwards this whole production was, is the movie was out for two weeks before the script was even done. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is the Holy long shit. And winding road of uh, Emperor's New Groove. I feel like I wrote a lot down for this one. It's it's sort of um, yeah. Is Isma fucking Kronk? That's the implication that Gina even turned to me and she was like, I didn't realize the implication was well, Yzma's it's during that punk. little exchange where he's like, he seems nice. What is he? 2023, 20, 20, you know, like, yeah, there's, it, that's kind of like new boyfriend coming to dinner talk. Mm hmm. Um, that was my only last note. But yeah, um, this is a perfectly fine movie. But like knowing that it went through all that, I really just feel for Sting and Roger uh, Allers. Was it Roger Allers? Yeah. Yeah. Roger the, Allers. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into this. For... Yeah, and it's it's crazy. Like they literally like when they start production on one of these movies, they like transform the whole wing of the building to have like all this inking like right. stuff on the walls. And like like they make they like theme the building to the well, movie they're working on. Well and that was like uh that was like a big thing everyone was kind of into because you also had like, you know, like Atlantis had a lot of those looks too and uh That's so funny. And they so have, did Road to El Dorado, have, you know, like what, and Road to El Dorado one, out of those three, like people like kind of the most. 
there's a point where uh there's a point where they show the elevators in the building and it says like movies currently in production kingdom of the sun and atlantis and you're like, Oof. <laughs> well it's it, it, i mean all this kind of like you know for it started as these with these artists who were really excited about the ideas and then it ended with like oh yeah tape together a script mm-hmm literally heartbreaker tape tape together a thing made completely by committee and it started with this dude who like and roger allers was cool man he like legit was like just a dude from scottsdale i was gonna include this but i just think it's a fun uh, note he was like he loved disney he always wanted to work with walt disney himself and he never got to mm-hmm. yeah me neither uh, and he got really depressed when walt disney died so he went backpacking across greece and lived in a cave for some time yeah i mean it, it, that's not like wild for these kind this age of animator like you hear sim- you you hear similar things from like brad bird or andrew stanton who are like coming out of the late 90s early 2000s were just had no fucking clue what they had been doing with their lives. Well, and he worked with on Lion King, which I never knew this, but there was kind of a, a little bit of development hell at the top of Lion King because the original director wanted it to be like an animated documentary about anim- like he wanted it to be like a National Geographic, but animated. Not an uncool thing. And I thought you meant like the office style where he's like, (laughs) so, you know, I decided to kill my brother. It's Akuna Matata. Um, (laughs) Like, no. uh, Akuna to the Matata. His his pitch when he came in was like, what if you make it this like fun, you know, African musical thing with like a pop music that like has these animals dancing and like. Like, you know, these big numbers with all these creatures, it could be really cool. Yeah, what if Fantasia took a safari? Right. And so he kind of got brought over and he, you know, he's got to do all the cool Lion King shit of like being being involved with all. I hope he's all right. Um, Kyle, fantastic research on all this. Thank you. Yeah, there was a great Vulture article that was a oral history uh, of of uh, this movie. Is this where that uh, comment about Brave came in? Because some of these didn't seem like they could have come from this time. Yeah, no, that's what uh, some of the quotes were from the Sweatbox, and then the other quotes were from uh, that oral history um, that was sort of done, uh, I think, within the last couple of years here. Interesting. Uh, but it was it was really really good. Uh, so definitely go check out that if you want some some more Sweet. quotes that I couldn't fit in. Wait. Well, it's King, Ruler, Dictator, Month, Week, Fortnite, um, and it continues on with Richard. What are we talking about next week? Uh, I'm actually kind of, uh, I'm staying in the House of Mouse, but uh, sort of sharing a different continent. Uh, We're going to talk about Kingdom Hearts. The video game. Are we talking about... Is that we're we're it's kind of kind of be over the whole series or specifically gonna, that first one? It's really going to overarch the whole like franchise. Sort yeah, of, you know, like because it took so many chunks to make, and um, there's just sort of a good evolution in every sort of aspect of that franchise in media. Uh, it's pretty cool. All right, Hell also, yeah, dude, I, I cannot wait to talk about Kingdom Hearts. 387 over two or whatever that one yeah uh, and then the kingdom hearts birth by sleep kingdom hearts uh final remix hd uh 2.8 that one's uh, my favorite 
Yeah, 2.7s for fucking nerds who <laughs> listen i spent a hundred thousand dollars on my setup you don't think i'm gonna play 2.8 <laughs> <laughs> you think damn. i'm not gonna enjoy 2.8 all right um <laughs> well play up some kingdom hearts you can check us out on instagram at dev hell podcast um but you can find me on instagram at hg spike HG Spike. I'm on Instagram at Kyle Anderson Comedy and on YouTube as the same thing. Not the basketball player, Kyle Anderson. Yes, and thank you to Tiz. Is it? It's been a minute. Is it Tizzy Nav for making our awesome theme song with our names in Nav? it? Um. So with that, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye, demons. Dog poop. <laughs>